All right, welcome, promisers. Have a seat. Welcome to the house of God. We are thrilled to see you this weekend. You picked a stellar weekend, whether you're at Campbell or Anderson or North or Blunt or the Internet Campus or Pellissippi. Welcome, promisers from all over. If you're a guest with us, we're thrilled that you're here also as well. You picked an amazing weekend because God is at work in a unique way. Uh, it's so exciting, and uh, we'll tell you more about it in just a second. It's going to be our most fabulous fall yet because we determined last weekend that we can grow during football season. Is that what we decided? Is that right? Awesome. Now, some of you are wondering, but I'm just going to tell you because, see, we have these weird lights at Pellissippi. And so if I sometimes I watch and it's a, I look like a Smurf or I look like something else, so just in case you wanted, this is orange. Okay, so I thought I might need to share with y'all. We are in Knoxville. I've had several haters share with me that, that it's the wrong color, and I just invite them to be saved. And, you know, it's, it's all right. So, but it's great. It's just it's great to have you guys this weekend. Bold women, Friday night, rock the house. Ladies, come on, let me hear it. And men, as usual, whipped, whipped by the ladies. So my question is, men, can we do better next year? Okay. With next year already, I mean, just roll over like a puppy and pee on yourself. Come on. Man, that is pathetic. I'm just going to tell you right now. But it's great, you know, and hey, let me tell you, nobody wants stronger men at Faith Promise than the women of Faith Promise because God has strong men. So, man, we're excited about what God is doing. Uh, thrilled about it. It's our month of miracles called Unstoppable because the power of God is unstoppable. We began a couple, three weekends ago, a couple weeks, but we began with Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider, and I have been covered up with emails, with jobs, raises, places to live. Man, God has just moved in just one after another providing. Last weekend, we we talked about prodigals, praying for prodigals to come home. This is just a great email. I'm only going to read you part of it because I didn't ask permission, so I'm not going to tell you who this is. But Pastor Chris, I just felt the need to say thank you. My family attended church this weekend at the North Knox campus. We haven't been in a long time to church and felt led by the Holy Spirit to come back. And when we came back, the message about the prodigal son, that was God's, that was God's confirmation to us that, we, that we're back home. Amen. And so God is bringing prodigals back. God is saving. God is moving. It's amazing. Just, just, just tremendous. So today it's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, my healer. Next weekend, we're going to share the Lord's Supper in a way we've never done it before. So that'll happen next weekend. Two weekends from now, we started a new series called Bulletproof. It's about doubt. Because doubt is the hidden shame in the church. People are afraid to ask questions. People will wonder, listen, there are, if there's any place that ought to be safe to ask questions of a spiritual nature, it's church. Amen? But we ought to be able to ask. And so we're going to deal with doubt. The first weekend, which is two weekends of Bulletproof, it's going to be a baptism weekend. We believe hundreds of people will be saved and baptized that weekend. And we will just lurch into the fall with great power and great momentum. So that's happening. It's a great weekend to bring people every weekend, but two weekends especially. If you've got your copy of the Word of God, if you'll turn to Mark's Gospel, the the fifth chapter, we're going to look at a story known as the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name. 
We know where she is from, but we don't know her name. In context, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus casts out 6,826 demons from the Gadarene demoniac because the Gadarene said, I have a legion, a Roman legion, 6,826. He, he casts the demons out. The guy's saved. He gets in the boat, sails to the other side. And the Bible says that when Jesus got out on the other side of the sea, a large crowd gathers around Jesus. And can I tell you something? Whenever Jesus is in the house, people will tear the roof off to get in. Because when Jesus is there, he always attracts people. And there's this big debate going on in Christianity about attractional versus missional. You can't be attractional. you got to be missional. And that's, that's what Christians sit around and debate about because they don't want to do real ministry. And so missional, we are. Attractional, we are. Because Jesus was attractional, and yet he was missional. And so Jesus, that's, why, that's how you can tell when Jesus leaves a church. When that church starts dropping and people aren't being saved and the baptismal pool's dry nobody's coming, you know that it, it, in many times that, it's, that, man, the Lord has departed. Amen? It's why we ought to be grateful that we get to come to church that's growing. That we get to come to church if people are saving. That we get to come to church where God is moving. So let me set the context for the story. In Mark's Gospel 5, 22 through 24, one of the synagogue officials named, what was his name? Jairus. Came up and seeing him, Jesus, fell at his feet, imploring him earnestly, a desperate dad, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and was pressing in on him. Now, this was me last year at our Month of Miracles, at our Jehovah Rapha, our healing weekend, where we, at every campus, we, we have all our elders and prayer team pray with anybody that wants to be healed. And, and that was last year. And I, I can so understand the heart of Jairus because last year, my little girl needed a touch from heaven. The doctors had told her you need to adopt because it is impossible for you to get pregnant. So go ahead and adopt. And I want to introduce to you this weekend for the very first time. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a proud grandpa or anything. I actually thought about playing the Disney and just hold up like Simba. The Lion King deal going on. It says on her little onesie, for this child, we have prayed. The doctor said this couldn't be. Doctor said, no way. This is Isabella Grace Pizzullo. And, uh, and she, is, she is a fighter. And man, she's, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about it. But let me tell you, Faith and Frankie stood in line right there last year with Pastor Chuck and Emily. And they were known with oil. And today... They have little Bella. And man, we are grateful to God. Thank you. Thank you, God. And Faith, Faith wanted to make sure that I thanked everybody that prayed. Matter of fact, when she got pregnant and the doctor said, this can't be, and she said, it can be. My dad prayed, my church prayed. She said, Dad, what about the other ladies who want to get pregnant? See, it is hard to celebrate when there are other ladies in the same situation. And there are other miracles on the way. Now, it's easy to lose faith and give up. So a week ago Thursday, Faith and Frankie go to the hospital to be in. She goes to the doctor. The doctor said, just go ahead and go across the street and check in at Park West. 
And they induce it at 4 o'clock in the morning. Faith delivers uh, Bella. But the room begins to rapidly fill with nurses. And it's obvious that this something's wrong. So they don't let Faith hold Bella. They grab the, all the nurses come in. They take Bella and they rush out of the room. Now you can imagine you've got a miracle, a promise of God, and this miracle's delivered and you don't get to hold and they run out of the room with your baby. Ladies, you get this. Some of us guys may not feel and understand, but you ladies understand. And so an hour later, a nurse comes in and said, Faith, there's some complications with Bella. And it was me and Michelle and Faith and Frankie. And, and, and I just saw a lone tear roll down. And so Frankie goes over, which he was a rock. He was so supportive he, all the way through. He's been great. And he's there. Michelle goes the other side, and it's Frankie's sort of show. He's the dad. And, and I'm just sitting over there praying. And the more the nurse tells about Bella's problem, the more that Faith is upset. And the nurse said, well, bring her in. Another hour goes by. She hasn't seen Bella. The nurse said, we're bringing a team from Children's Inn to see what we're going to do with Bella. Now, I don't know, man, ladies, there can't be anything good, can there? Because if we wonder, we always wonder badly. And so an hour later, now two hours, or more than two hours after the birth, the nurses roll Bella in in a box with IVs and tubes and a tube down her throat into her lungs. And this is how Faith gets to see Bella. Well, Faith is, is just falling apart. More my bore is the minute. The room now is full of people, and Faith is trying to hold some kind of semblance together, and the nurse is rapid fire telling Faith, we're taking your baby downtown. She's going to Children's. She's having trouble breathing. She's got all this going on, and Faith is just trying to, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just saturating her from every side, and finally everybody's talking. She says, stop, Daddy, please come pray for Bella. Well, that's all I needed to hear. And so I go over, I lay hands on that box, and I say, God, this is our mustard seed. This is what you promised, and you have delivered, and we are not going to lose this miracle in Jesus' name. And, man, I begin to pray, and then when I get out, I my face, she's gagging on the tube that's down her throat. I said, I want you to just reach your hand in there and lay it on little Bella. And Faith put her hand in there, and she's sobbing. And as soon as she got on, Bella just began to calm down. I said, she knows you're here, Faith. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. God's going to take care of this. And they start rolling Bella out of the room, and poor Faith. And I don't know how Frankie kept it together. And, and Michelle said, don't you worry. Don't you worry. I'll go to children's with her. And Mimi was there for the next five days. You weren't about to get Mimi out of the NICU. <laughs> Matter of fact, she knew everybody in the hospital. She knew all the kids. She's feeding all these kids. And she's, they thought she was a nurse. She'd been there so long. And, 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 and I tell you that story because, listen, listen, sometimes you have to fight for your miracle. And some of you came this weekend expecting God to do something great. Fight for your miracle. Do not let go. Fight for it and believe God for it. See, the, whose, whose report are you going to believe? See, Faith could have believed the doctor when the doctor said, Candace, I'm sorry to tell you, but you can't get pregnant. She could have believed that report. She could have said, okay, we'll adopt. That's great. You know, nothing wrong with adoption. And, and we'll just, we, we just, but no. She said, we're believing God. And when she stood right there 12 months ago, as some of you are going to stand in a few minutes, when she stood right there, she believed that God was going to do something. And when that doctor looked at that ultrasound and said, Faith, I don't understand. You can't be pregnant. 
No, Doc, you don't understand. My dad was praying, and my church is praying, and God is bigger than anything. Are we right? Come on, man. And so some of you are here this weekend, and you need a miracle. You need a touch from heaven, just like Candace did, and, and God is able to do it. So we're getting, in a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to be prayed over. But before, I want to help elevate your faith, and I want to help you see how big that our God is. And, and so in context, remember, he's cast the demons out. He got on the other side. Jairus, the leader, the leader of the synagogue, has said, come to my house. My daughter is dying. They're on the way. They're on the way to Jairus' house. And on the way, there's another woman in the crowd that nobody realizes. Nobody knows she's there. But she, too, needs a touch from heaven. And she, too, like Candace, Faith, and Frankie, she, too, like Jairus, she, too, was desperate for God to move, just like some of you need a touch from heaven. Nobody realized she was there. Nobody knew her deal. She had been bleeding for 12 years. And any females in the Old Testament that were on their menstrual cycle were ceremonially unclean. They could not go to the temple. They couldn't go. And so, and so the crowd doesn't realize that she has this affliction. She's got this deal the, because the crowd would have rejected her. They would have said, you're unclean. You can't be in here with us. But can I tell you, Jesus never had a problem touching the unclean. He didn't have a problem with the lepers. He didn't have a problem with the outcasts. He didn't have a problem with the poor. He didn't have a problem with the marginalized. And when Jesus reached his hand out and touched me in a hospital bed, can I tell you, I was unclean. But Jesus takes the unclean and makes it clean. And Jesus takes the broken and he puts it back together. That's what he does. And so let's look at the story starting in, in chapter 5, verse 25. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had not, and it's been all that she had. She's liquidated everything and was not helped at all, but rather had gotten worse. She's gonna die. After hearing about Jesus. She came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I could just touch his garments, I will be well. Immediately the flow of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had proceeded from, proceeding from him had gone forth, he turned to the, around to the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Or in the Hebrew, or you know, or the, and his disciples said to him in the Greek, are you crazy? You see the crowd of people surrounding you, pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? He looked around to see the woman who had done this, but the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. From your what? Do you think we've got some people with 7,000 here this weekend that are, that's got some affliction? No question about it. And you say, but, but you see, now this lady is in an impossible situation. She's gone to the max of medicine. She's gone to the max of the doctors. She spent all of her life savings, has not only not grown better, but now she has gotten worse, and she is ultimately going to bleed to death, and there's nothing that can be done. But see, the deal is Jesus, Jesus he, he, he specializes in the impossible, doesn't he? And so the doctor said, you can't get better. Whose report will you believe? Well, I'll never get married. I'll never lose this weight. I'll never graduate. The economy's horrible. I'll never get a good job. I'll never get out of debt. I'll never be healed. I'll never, nevers. 
I'll never, never. It is people of faith that believe that our God can. Whose report will you believe? When the doctor looked and said, Candace Faith, you cannot get pregnant, she said, I believe that I can. In verse 27 and 28, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I could just touch his garment, I'll do what? Now, under, see what's going on. There's a crowd around Jesus. We don't know how, but we just know there's a crowd. Jesus is walking to Jairus' house to do a miracle. This woman fights for her miracle. She is not going to miss it. Now, do you think the crowd opened up and let her through? No. She's elbowing, man. She's clawing her way. She's fighting and scratching, bobbing and weaving because there are other people that wanted to see Jesus. There are other people that wanted to hear Jesus. There are all these things going on in the crowd and all these needs, but she was going to get to Jesus regardless. And if I could just touch the hem of his garment, this weekend, when you get up and you go to one of our prayer stations, you're not going to a person. You're going to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. You are going to, somebody's going to know you with oil, and somebody's going to pray for you, but you're not going to a person, a pastor, a church. You're going to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And listen, this is what you got to do. Don't hide your miracle. Verse 29, immediately the flow of blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Is she healed? Now, what she wanted to do, she snuck in and she's sneaking out. She sneaks in, got her miracle, and she's turned, put it in B for Boogie, and she's going to make her way out of the crowd unnoticed. And that's what some of you want to do. I want to sneak in. I want to get in line. I want to get prayed for. I want to get healed. And I'm going to sneak back to my chair. Nobody's going to do That's not how God wants it done. Look at verse 30. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the, and in the crowd and said, who touched me? Now, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus know who touched him? Excuse me? No question, Jesus knew. He knew she was there. He knew she was coming. He knew she touched her, that she touched him. He knew that she was healed. He wasn't asking for information. He was asking for a testimony. So what does he do? He said, who touched me? Who touched me? He wants you to go public. Look, verse 32 through 34. He looked around, see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him what? She came and she fell down and she said, this is the deal. I've been sick for 12 years. I've spent all my money. You're my last chance. You're my last hope. And I just knew if I could touch the hem of your garment, I'd be made well. And Jesus said, oh, way to go. Hey, great job. Man, go away. Be healed because of your faith. Daughter, just go and be healed. But see, what Jesus wanted her to do was come out of the crowd. And what we want to do is stay in the crowd. And so as you're in line, when you, man, you feel like God's healed you, man, you need to shout it out. Man, as the tears flow at every campus, man, as people are being healed, as people are being prayed for, are y'all with me? Man, the electricity fills this room. You, wait, you want to talk about some worship? Man, we have had some of the greatest worship we have ever had this weekend as God has moved on people. It is going to be amazing. See, because we're to come out of the crowd. Now, there's one guy in the crowd that if I was him, I'd be mad as a wet hen. Who would that be? Jairus. See, Jairus, they're on the way to go heal his daughter. We're on a time crunch. Man, she's going to die. 
and this lady's been sick for 12 years, we'll catch her on the way back. I don't know what you're thinking, Lord, but hey, she can wait. She's not going to die in five minutes. My daughter's going to die. We got to go. And they're stopping, and the testimony's happening, and the crowd is cheering because she's been healed and all that. And I don't know about you, but if I was Jairus, I'm not a patient guy to begin with. Maybe Jairus was, but I'd have been saying, hey, Pete, come here, listen, man, we're on a schedule. My daughter's about to die in a few minutes. Could, could we get that testimony on video and catch that later? We got to go. Let's go. I'd have been freaking out. Matter of fact, I'd have been mad at the woman with the issue of blood if I was Jairus. Because at that point, I'm a desperate dad wanting God to move. And a desperate mom or a desperate dad, you better not get in front of them. And so what happens? The servant comes and says, hey, Jairus, listen, don't bother Jesus. She's dead. It's too late. You missed it. And man, Jairus, heart, his heart just sinks as he's lost his daughter, man, agony. And Jesus puts his hand, hey, J- hey, Jairus, don't worry, dude. I got this. Jesus has always got this. He said, let's go. They get to the house, weeping and wailing. If you've ever been to a Jewish funeral, man, Jewish people are very emotional at funerals and weddings. Very emotional. It's just their culture, more so than ours. And so he goes, they're weeping, and Jesus opens the bedroom door, looks in, turns to us, and says, hey, you guys, chill out, man. She's just asleep. And what do they do to Jesus? They laugh at him. They mock him. Jesus said, hey, you guys, get out. Now, this is huge. If you're listening, say, I am. Hey, you guys, get out. Clears the house. Now, how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. And he says, Pete. James and John, you guys come with me. The rest of you disciples, y'all wait outside too. This is critical. He takes Pete, James, and John, himself, and the parents in. He only took people in that had faith to believe. And he said, get up. Girl gets up. Mom and dad freak out. They have a holy hoedown, nanny. I mean, man, they're celebrating. They go back out in the yard, and all the naysayers and the laughers can't believe what has just happened. Listen, be careful. Who speaks into your life? Be careful who you let in your inner circle. Be careful who you let speak death when somebody needs to speak life. Be careful who, are y'all with me? Does this make sense? Be careful who you let in. There are a lot of people that walk up to me and, and, you know, at our campuses and, and throngs of people that say, hey, Pastor, I've come to pray for you. And sometimes I'll look and say, but I don't know you. Well, they'll say, but God sent me to pray for you. Well, he didn't tell me you were coming. <laughs> Are y'all, y'all understand? You say, Pastor, that sounds mean. Was it mean for Jesus to send the other nines in the yard and make them miss the miracle of the resurrection of the little girl? See, I don't know what's on your hands. And I don't know what's in your heart. And I don't know what spirit you're trying to put on me. So just keep praying. Just don't touch me. They say, Pastor, that's the meanest thing. Go ahead, call it mean. I'm careful who lays their hands on me. I'm careful who lays their hands on Bella. I'm careful who lays their hands on my wife or my kids or y'all. Does that make sense? Jesus was careful who he let come in. And let me tell you, all the people that will be praying at all of our camps this weekend, elders, prayer team, our Stephen ministers, people who love God, people who believe God, people who've seen God heal, people who are believing. Matter of fact, if you say, I want to come, but I'm just not sure what God can do, the people that are praying have faith for you. 
Because sometimes Jesus healed because of your faith. Sometimes he healed because of their faith. And sometimes he healed because of his own. And so, but I, the, man, we've got to be careful. Does this make sense? But now before we pray for a spiritual healing, I mean a physical healing, we're going to pray for a spiritual healing. Because this is the deal. I'd rather, be, I'd rather be healed spiritually and not be healed physically and die and go to heaven than to be healed spiritual, uh, physically and not be healed spiritually and die and go to hell. So the number one, number one miracle is someone entering into a covenant relationship with Jesus because we were born separated from God. David said in Psalms 51, in sin did my mother conceive me. Did that mean she was having an affair? No. It means we are born into sin. Since the fall, we're born into sin. If you've had children, you know you believe in a sin nature. It just, it just is. Amen? It just, it just is. And you say, Pastor, that's so mean. No, it's so biblical. The heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah said. And so Isaiah said, Behold, your sins have made it. Have we all sinned? See, your sins have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear. And so when Jesus came, his blood covered your sins. And Jesus made a way now by faith that we can access the Father. Because, see, we're people of faith. We are faith promise. We are promisers who stand by faith on the promises of God. Is that right? But with a thousand people in this room and all of our other campuses, listen, there's some people who haven't yet turned their heart over to Jesus. I'm not talking about are you religious. I'm not talking about you're a church member. A lot of church members not going to heaven. Jesus said, unless you be born again, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so if you're ready to enter into a relationship with him with every head bowed and every eye closed, just, just me and you and God, I'm going to lead you in what we call a, just a confessional prayer. We're going to pray it with you. We're going to help lend you our faith. We're going to pray with you. And so if you're ready to open your heart up to Jesus, just say, Dear Jesus, I'm separated from you, and I am so sorry for all of my sins. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord. You died for me. You rose from the grave. And now by faith, I will follow you the rest of my life. Show me how to walk. Now, still with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you gave your heart to Jesus, between just me and you and God, nobody looking around, I just, I just like to know, Seth, if that's you, just raise your hand and say, hey, Pastor, I pray for you. Just hold it up. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Oh, my mercy. Front, back, sides, every section, every section. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, put them down. Come on, church. Man, there are dozens of people across our campuses that just got healed inside spiritually. Healed. Wow. And now we're going to pray for, now we're going to pray for physical healings. And we're going to believe that God is going to move in a, in a great way. So if all, at all of our campuses, if the worship teams and our prayer teams would take place. And so as these folks are moving at Pellissippi, you can see them across the back, across the, the, the middle, and across the front. You could see them at all of our other campuses, or the campus pastors will direct you to where to go in just a minute. So as you guys all, everybody takes their places. we got plenty of time. We're going to have some really quiet worship in just a minute, and we're going to worship and pray. Let me, and some of you say, well, wait a minute. I've never been to a church that, that does this. Why do you do it? What, what's up with that? Well, let me tell you why we do it. Out of the Bible, James chapter 5. If anyone among you is sick, 
That'd be some of us, wouldn't it? Let him call for the elders of the church, and we have them at every campus, there to pray over him, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will what? Restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, this is important. Confess your sins one to another and pray one for another so that you may be healed. The effectual prayer of a righteous man, woman, can accomplish much. And so in just a minute, I'm going to pray. Just a second. And we're going to rise and worship, and people are going to move. But, it, it, but as you move that way, listen. If you if, Ask God as you're standing in line, Father, is there anything in my life that's hindering you? from giving me my miracle today? Is there anything that's stopping you? If God brings a sin, just confess that to him. And then stand and believe that God is going to move in just a minute. Another visit. Another one of these useless slips of paper. This makes what now? Seven? Eight? Eight different doctors, six different prescriptions, and two clinical trials. Can I help you? Sure, just need to check out. Can you help me? Honestly, probably about as much as anyone else has. Am I supposed to live like this? Am I... Am am I gonna die like this? I can't even go on anymore. No answers, no certainty, no future, no hope. God, I need... A miracle. And the great thing about it is we serve an unstoppable God who can do miracles. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. The same God that moved in the Old Testament, the same God that walked among us and did miracles is the same God sitting on the throne, and he has all power and all authority. Believe, and you can receive. Spirit of God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We absolutely believe that you're going to move in a supernatural way. We believe Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, our healer, is showing up right now. And as we anoint people with oil, as people confess to you, as you move, God, we believe we're going to hear shouts of praise and tears of joy at every single campus. And so, God, we're, we're coming, we're humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God, and we ask for your healing. God, we ask for your anointing. Lord, we're never going to be the same because of what you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Let's stand, and as the worship team leads us, make your way to the closest station at all of our campuses, believing God is about to move.